NWSL Nation, hello and welcome to to officially the Challenge Cup. It's a Challenge Cup week to kick off. We're here. Soccer's, we've been talking all about like it's happening, it's coming. It's happened. We've had it. There's been some great stuff. There's been some lukewarm stuff. There's been a lot of fake crowd noise. We have a whole lot to talk about. I'm Steve Schwartzman. I'm here with our resident soccer smart, Mike McPhee. Mike, how are you doing? Hey, Steve. Doing great. Soccer's back. Soccer is back. Like we've watched it happen. We've seen it's 540 live. minutes worth of it. Oh man, those, those the, they fly by. Those 500 minutes fly by. Really? Yeah, especially when they're broken down in segments, which is good. I'm glad they took my advice on that because I know the original plan was every match one after the other continuously. Just yeah, the the 90 the 90 minute was was controversial, but I'm glad they went with it. You know, it's good. Every now and again, I have good ideas. <laughs> Any, anywho, Mike, we have a lot to talk about. We are, uh, as we record this, are six matches into the Challenge Cup tournament. Every team has had a chance to play once. Four teams have played twice. Uh, so we're going to dig into these, give some quick reactions, and have a look forward to to the next couple round of matches. Mike, let's kick things off with the opening match on CBS. Half a million people tuned in to watch North Carolina Courage. Portland most watched, yeah, most watched NWSL match of all time incredible and it was so match of all time it was a uh, higher view than uh, a few epl matches that happened that day it was uh, uh, in all cases a pretty strong success of course mike i know it, if you had your druthers things soccer wise would have gone a little different way the courage defeated portland thorns two to one this thing was scoreless 75 minutes in for Dabinia scored off of a, of a Haley Mace cross, I believe. I'm trying to, I've watched so much soccer in the last couple of days. I'm trying to like visualize all the goals correctly. Of course, Simone Charlie <laughs> equalizing in the 80th minute. Lynn, Lynn Williams putting North Carolina ahead in stoppage time. I'm just going to cut right over to you. First match back, Challenge Cup, your immediate reactions. This was incredible. And I say this as a Thorns fan, heard about the loss, but this was a fantastic match. You know, you've got a big rivalry there between the Courage and the Thorns. A lot of history there. We didn't know what it would look like with, you know, such a long hiatus, disruption to the preseason. But it didn't disappoint. New look, a lot of new faces for the Thorns, but I think they exceeded a lot of expectations. Goalkeeper Bella Bixby and her NWSL debut had some phenomenal saves against, you know, a Courage onslaught, tons of set pieces. Good work in the midfield by Lindsey Horan, Rocky Rodriguez. The Courage didn't quite look like the Courage that we're used to. It wasn't quite the smooth build from the back, fast-paced attack that that we've come to know and love. Um, that being said, they found a way to, to make it happen, and their crosses into the box were lethal, and that's what got the job done for them. Yeah, I think a, a theme, because we're obviously going to talk about the Courage again toward the end of this. I, I think a theme I'm seeing with North Carolina is obviously they're known for their depth. They're known for their cardio. They're known for their technical skill level. And obviously just having a, a deep, deep, deep roster of talented players. And it just always seems to come down to the same two or three people <laughs> when things <laughs> close out. I mean, you're talking about a phenomenal group of talented players. At the end of the day, it comes down to Dabinia and, and Lynn Williams. Williams. It's and interesting it's, because it, it really yeah. is an ensemble. And I, I think, I think they did great work, but, but you're right. It came down to that. And, you know, Lynn Williams is well on her way to um, showing up Sam Kerr for the, for the golden boot of the tournament, at least. Yeah, I mean, at this point, I'm, you know, as we're talking about it, we're talking three goals after two games. It's, you know, it's obviously phenomenal performance on her end. Dabinia's looking well. Uh, you know, Haley, Haley Mace and Sam Mewis have looked really strong on the distribution end. I, I think that they look pretty locked in there. Um, you know, I think on Portland's end, it's hard to say there weren't too many heavy uh, it's, it's this isn't necessarily even a case where I think you're looking at one team better than the other. In a lot of ways, I feel like Portland made a handful of mistakes that led them to give up two late goals. Uh, this, That's true. Um, yeah. And one thing you have to say for Portland too: not only are they coming in with a largely new team, um, they've gotten hit pretty hard by the injury bug. You know, we had AD French that out of the tournament. Um, number one draft pick, Sophia Smith didn't play we don't know when we're going to see her so 
we, we saw a lot of new faces and they still put up a good fight. No, absolutely. I actually, one thing I really, I came to Portland is after this match, I felt like they were one of the most, it was one of the most sound defensive performances we'd seen across all the matches we've watched so far. Like I said, I just think this was a case where the courage were able to take their strengths, find a blemish where they could fit something in. Uh, they're just phenomenally talented when it comes to, to responding to cross as well laser accuracy with that you know finding people in goal it's just something that they could put their bread and butter to and they were able to connect it right at the right time toward the end of the match i think they knew that their conditioning just with the depth of their roster helped them a lot which what makes their most recent match all the more interesting you know but overall i you know this definitely felt like a good showing on both ends and it, and it really was a tough break this was definitely a case where it really would have benefited portland to get points here and yeah really dramatic felt- I right mean, at the end of stoppage time. Both, you know? Yeah, stoppage. It was, you can't get more dramatic. So it yeah. was, it lived up to expectations. Absolutely. Let's move on to another exciting match. Like I said, we're, we're flying through this pretty quickly, but uh, we have a lot of matches to talk about. I want to talk about what is still, even after t- the, tonight, the night we're recording, is possibly my favorite. You know what? I lied. This is definitely in my top three favorite uh, performances of the tournament so far. Rose Lavelle and the Washington Spirit. Uh, defeating the Chicago Red Stars 2-1. to one. This kicked off eight minutes in. Our opening match took 75 minutes to find the net. Rosemary Kathleen Lavelle, eight minutes in, uh, <laughs> drops one in to kick things off. Ashley Hatch with 46 in. Uh, Morgan Bryan did score at the 51 mark uh, to make things somewhat interesting. But this was a phenomenal showing by Washington. I felt like this was a team that came in with a lot of momentum. They looked like they had a pretty energetic roster, a lot of young and hungry talent top draft picks going back the last three years really felt like it was gelling very well as things looked i made a point on twitter after that eight that eight minute goal i feel like rose is very well the trajectory to become the next face of women's soccer in america because it's just there are just few players that are more exciting than she is Uh, well her eight minute goal if you look at that eight minute goal she is the one that creates the opportunity in the midfield, you know, pushes it forward. And she's the one that puts away the rebounded uh, bounce, you know, like all of that is Rose Lavelle. And that's not uncommon. It happened over and over. Absolutely. And I think it's one of those, like, she was front and back the focal point of every single part of that play. Uh, and be- beyond and- that, that whole midfield, you know, her Andy Sullivan looked good. Uh, Jordan DiBiase, Ashley Hatch had a lot of great moments and a lot of speed. You know, I, I think Washington's possession and the way they use that to to push forward um, was a really solid performance. Yeah, I, I think on the other side of things, not to be hypercritical, but I walked out of the Chicago match a little underwhelmed by Chicago's performance in a lot of ways. It's hard to tell exactly what that is because I don't I don't want to call this one of those cases of this gaping chasm because they no longer, you know, Sam Kerr's not here to, to, to be a strength for them, but definitely some things felt sort of disjointed. I definitely have a feeling on, on certain specific players, but in your opinion, you know, what, what do you feel? And maybe it's tough because we also have the hindsight of an additional match that we've now watched, but what do you think right now are the gaps that Chicago have that are, they're needing to figure out to get competitive in the group in the early round right well obviously the hole that Kerr left is noticeable there although they did get Kelia Watt and used her pretty effectively um there was just a lot of disconnect um in in the attack Yuki Nagasato who was just a phenomenal distributor and architect on the field I thought she was very quiet maybe they didn't use her in in the best position Um, there was a lot of good individual performances. Um, I think Julie Ertz, of course, I mean, uh, particularly on defense was phenomenal. Casey Short had a a pretty excellent game, especially in the second half. Morgan Gautreau, formerly Morgan Bryan, you know, put, put them on the board. Um, there was a lot of individual performances that were great, but this match made me feel like Chicago and especially the Red Star attack, was there's there was just a little bit of disconnect. 
Absolutely. I, I mean, that really vibes a lot with what my general thoughts, but the main thing I wanted to look at, and I was hoping to see in Chicago's second match, I would, I would have loved to see Yuki attack the net more. Uh, I know that a lot of her mentality, especially last year playing with Sam Kerr was really being the setup and and a distributor and obviously finding opportunities to score because she has that. I really would have loved to see her play with that, that level of aggressiveness a little bit more. And we'll see. I, I feel like after watching these first two matches with Chicago, they're tinkering with that lineup. I'm hoping that as we start to to move forward, they'll play with a little more confidence, knowing kind of where they want to set things up. So we'll have to see definitely. I, I think it's time, Mike, to head to what I personally am. And I'm biased. I think this has been the match of the tournament so far. Uh, this is the, uh, the host Houston. team Royals FC and the Houston Dash. 3-3 draw. This thing was 3-1, uh, I believe, with 82 minutes. In the 82nd minute, this was a 3-1. Rachel Daly completely dominated offensively early on. She had two goals. Some might claim she should have had. Uh, but this was a 3-1 lead for Houston. Vero scored on a free kick, which had an interesting wall formation we could talk about in just a minute. And who I think may end up being the true star of this show, uh, Sierra King, 89th minute. Uh, subs in, uh, heads a free kick in to draw this, uh, allowing Salt Lake, uh, Salt Lake, Utah to to come out of this with a point. This, I think, was exciting from start to finish. You had a team, Utah, I thought, looked really energetic early on. They definitely were showing a lot of prowess. The lid sort of got flipped right at the half, and it looked like Houston was dominating pretty well. And then we just had a 10-minute stretch of hold-your-breath soccer just looked like either team could could make something happen at any moment. You had the return of Diana Matheson, uh, who looked phenomenal, you know, scored off of an Amy Rodriguez cut. I, yeah. And then, of course, all the things that you could say about Rachel Daly, Shea Groom scored. I, this was, if there's any, honestly, considering there wasn't a winner, and that's always a big thing with fringe non-soccer fans is they can draw, whatever. If there's a soccer match that you would turn to someone and say, like, this could get you back in. This is that type of match. This was pandemonious, I think, from whistle to whistle. It was the one of one of the most dramatic draws that I've ever seen. I mean, uh, Utah's massive comeback was huge because th- this was a match. I It was a tale of two halves, really. I thought Utah dominated the first half. Houston really couldn't get anything going. I mean, Rachel Daly would take off, got called off sides multiple times. There wasn't a lot of support for her. Um, They just couldn't find a way to push forward almost into the attacking half. We're we're really on their back foot. Daly scores just, just before the half. And then Houston comes out in the second half. And it's a, it's a completely different team. I, I don't know what, what Clarkson said to them in in the locker room but it's a different team entirely and and you know they they have the goals to show for that Rachel Daly really comes into her own Shea Groom had had that really phenomenal goal but somehow Utah maintained it looked like they were out of it but then somehow they they decided to get back in there I give a lot of credit to Vero the way the technical ability she has but then also the vision like she knows exactly where her teammates should be going, she directs it. Yeah. She she just sees the opportunities. That's her her goal. I don't know how she gets around that wall. I don't know, Steve. Have you rewatched that? <laughs> I will. Yeah. I mean, it was extremely impressive. I will say though, it did seem like Houston set quite a chasm there, and it looked like they their keeper's coverage wasn't as sound. But she was able to see that weakness on a whim and capitalize on it. And yeah, it was pure goal. I, the the way she set up for it, I didn't expect it to go in. It just didn't have. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I think that I thought they might her play skill level. Short. I mean, that's the type of thing you could expect out of someone like Barrow, who can just give you firepower at at any point. I think. Th- th- speaking of firepower, I think something that was interesting here was A Rod really playing more of a facilitating role throughout the match. Uh, that's true yeah she I, I didn't necessarily see her as aggressive as as i was expecting and i don't think in this case that was necessarily a bad i'm a little nervous noting that she essentially played 
the from wire to wire and interesting to see how showed recover well uh you, you can't quite expect that in in their second match I, I think they covered subs pretty well bringing in cr king at the 70 was a solid point she really came in as a strong real spark just a lot of energy and then obviously her goal was i mean you could argue that was that's the moment of the tournament so far i mean has there been a better nwsl debut that's incredible yeah absolutely and i mean someone who's come in as a huge fan favorite has a groundswell of support from alma mater is coming onto a team that could use another offensive star uh you know i'll do respect to Kristen press and company it's great to have someone that's that's very well on the rise in that consideration so i love that i i'll be interested to see where they slot her i think there could be a pseudo temptation to to bump her up in the lineup in their next match but we'll just have to see i i don't know that they'll go that far but i i'd expect to see some more minutes out of out of king from this point but i i could talk about this draw all day it was a lot of fun maybe i'm just biased because I was not expecting for the Royals to get points out of this. Uh, no, it looked like it was over. But yeah. yeah, I mean, I was on my feet for the last 30 minutes, jumping up and down in my living room. Now, it goes without saying, though, I think one thing has been pointed out, we talked about it, Rachel Daly with, with two goals. It at one point seemed like it was going to be a third keeper possession interference call overturn that. And that's, and that's the right I'm, call. Yeah, I would say I'm not in a place where I'm allowed to speak on it because I, I everyone knows what my answer is going to be. But from connections to people I've heard, it sounds like a lot of people reach out to, to those who would know or people that have some sort of officiating knowledge. The call more or less was fairly textbook, it seemed. Yeah, no, it's it's the right call. It was still, I mean, what it was a huge mistake on Abby Smith's part and, you know, millimeters away from daily stealing a goal from you. Um, but But yeah, it was the right call. And that actually helps bring up a key that's, you know, up to up to that, you know, toward the end of the first half, it was tough because Abby was having a phenomenal day. Yeah, she um, had some up until moments. the end of the half. You know, she gave, she obviously she gave up that one cross goal to to Daly, but I don't, I didn't put that on Abby as much as I just put on, you know, they had a defender get beat and Daly found an opening in the in the middle and capitalized on it. From there, you could definitely see that there were uh, a little stretches and blemishes in the game but i think overall i think um, i think i I think there's moments well and you see it more so with keepers since they're they play such an isolated position you're seeing moments of rust right these teams have had limited time to train together disrupted preseason everything like that i mean because Alyssa nair who is starting goalkeeper for the u.s women's national team made a very you know similar mistake in their game against Washington, that's that was the Ashley Hatch goal, you know, came off a Nair mistake. That's not something that happens to Alyssa Nair. So I, I think we're still yeah. seeing some rust. They'll probably beat themselves up for it, but I, I think I think they'll get better as the tournament goes. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree. And I think, obviously, I, I, the last time I'll get to say this, I know that I have some bias in this. I get the sense that Utah could be a sleeper team here. I, I think they have some players that are, are playing on the rise. I think Craig Harrington has taken some risks with his roster that's good. I think that 5-3-2 formation is a hell of a lot of fun. Uh, so I, I'll be interested to see where they take things. It's tough because just the way that the day that we've recorded this is when it's um, it's hard to tell that there may be a heavy level of parity. But well, the fact knows? that a lot of people had those two teams as you know likely candidates for the bottom of the field, and they play each other in one of the most exciting matches we've seen. It was very interesting. Well, and I think a theme that I saw in a lot of these matches, and if it maintains, could play huge, especially in Houston's case, you really start to feel like teams that can capitalize on the skill level of even their top player, uh, having four opening games and then a three-round you know, round knockout, you can potentially build off of having one player who is especially hot in the moment in a situation where if you were to run a full season long, having being able to lean, lean on Rachel Daly might be tough. This might actually play really well in the Houston's hands now that we watch it. So uh, I think that's you're starting point. to put a more discerning eye on that than you may have beforehand for certain though. But that's definitely how I felt. This was, I think a lot of people are going to put a lot more weight toward, toward both of those rosters after uh, what, what was just a, a, a friggin' fun soccer match for definitely. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm not going to say things get less fun 
simply because of the scores, because good soccer can happen regardless of the score. But uh, this was followed by two Nilpois matchups. Uh, you had the Oil Rain, Sky Blue FC to a 0-0 draw. This was interesting, too. In, in a lot of cases, you had two teams, you know, one with completely new management. You had, you had Sky Blue, who I thought played a very aggressive style, which I liked. They have one of the most underrated, you know, we talk kits, one of the most underrated kits in the lineup right now. I, I, I think 100%. I know you initial thoughts on, on this, obviously it was, it was frustrating because I think both teams had a lot of solid scoring opportunity and it just didn't land up with, uh, with any goals for us. Yeah. I think this was, it was a little bit of a slog of a match. It was good to see some of the new players for sky blue, especially Midge purse. I thought she did some interesting things. If Yanumano had some good opportunities. Um, I thought OL Rain were the better side, but they could never capitalize, I guess, and they, it was hard for them to put together a complete attack. Um, and I think part of that is due to the fact that who wasn't on the pitch. You know, we we didn't see a Jess Fishlock or um, a Sofia Huerta, which I think factors into it because th- there was opportunities and they had good chances. Like, if, if it... If Sky Blue doesn't have Sheridan in goal, OL Rain are probably, you know, they probably win 2-0. But um, I thought OL, OL was the better team. They they definitely held possession better, but it didn't yeah. feel very uh, fulfilling, and neither neither team could sustain momentum for very long. Yeah, I, I that's definitely what I felt was the way they'd structured lineups is would they set up to really go full 90? I did like Mitch's performance. Anamonu probably is the my favorite performance of the night. I she had she put herself in a lot of strong scoring situations and just couldn't convert. But if I had to pick, this was the real winner of the night. I mean, Kaylin Sheridan had possibly the two front runners for save of the tournament. Incredible in goal and honestly in a lot of cases where their defensive line got exposed she was able to to save them in a lot of cases and and match up pretty well which is is pretty solid i'm curious to see how they're able to match it up as they start to line up against more successful teams or just you know deeper more aggressive rosters but a lot to to land out of this one i thought it was a quality game that that they just couldn't put things in the net if i'm being completely honest i don't know that the, the following mornings match up with uh, thornton's fc and and chicago red stars at, again nil nil draw uh, at the beginning of the day this one felt a little bit more disjointed to me but i think the narrative was set pretty quickly which was these were two teams that got in a word i'm going to say experimental with their lineups is that a good word <laughs> yes I, I think they were technically pulling players off the street. Yes. It's it's really what it felt like. I mean, they obviously there's that key idea of you have certain personnel that you just want to get rested. You want to get built out. You, you had a couple, you know, key injuries. Uh, Sauerbrunn was one where, where she sat out. I know, you know, there were a couple cases there, but overall I was very curious about a lot of people that not only did not start, we didn't even get to see. What, in your opinion, were some of the most curious roster scenarios from either team? Well, I don't know. Well, just the sheer amount of rookies, players that were acquired in the last, you know, couple weeks uh, leading up to the tournament on both sides. Um, These were not your standard lineups. Um, It wasn't that anyone was playing out of position. It was that these are just completely new faces. But the amount of time they've trained with their team extremely limited i thought there was some bright spots in that but what i mean i i was kind of baffled by both lineups and i think both teams the result of that was just huge lack of chemistry i know it, it was a frustrating match and both both of these both of these clubs needed needed a win after dropping their first game they both settled for a point but steve this kind of brings up something that's been on my mind since this morning's match um, is that with the structure of the tournament, you know, with so few games in a short amount of, this is, this is an endurance battle. How do clubs find that balance between wanting to keep your key players rested and fresh for, you know, do you hold out for the knockout round? You know, do you drop points in the preliminary round so that you're in good shape and hopefully injury free in the knockout round, because it, it felt to me like both Portland and Chicago really crossed the line and just played made lineup decisions that really were underwhelming. 
Well, and I think that definitely played a role because a lot of what hurt, I, I know, for instance, with Chicago, well, honestly, Portland as well, was just endurance and cardio. And these were lineups that just, there was heavy skill. They were not set up to go a full 90. And you could tell the first 15 minutes was, was, was a dogfight. It was, it was fun. I mean, there's a lot of quality scoring opportunities, some good matchups. You had a lot of high energy, and it seemed to wane a little bit over time. I, I agree with you on that sense of you could see there were some protecting players. I think the other side of it, though, is on schedule. Um, Chicago turns around from this, and they face the Courage on the 5th on Sunday. Portland turns around from this and faces the Spirit that same day. In my opinion, I think it was one of two ways. One is to be able to rest players, but the other two is I, I think both rosters like the idea of keeping their upcoming opponents guessing. Oh, that's okay, a good what, point. Are you actually, what are you actually going to lay out? They're both going to be playing potentially the top two teams in this tournament, and that was the almost kind of the narrative I got is, is let's maybe mix some things up and then just set no direct precedent as to who we're laying out and when but I, th I think the other side adds to it as well is is what teams it, this tournament could come down to what teams are best at leveraging their their roster and their top players minutes so that they can be most effective when it counts which of course is the knockout round the the convenience knowing you have a spot in the quarterfinal plays a huge role there because if, if you cut this down to four teams and this becomes a case of you've got to be in that top four to move forward, I think this is, a, this is leveraged completely differently. And, but knowing you have that spot and knowing that we just need to put ourselves in the best situation possible at that level kind of changes that mindset. So I think, you know, hard to disagree on that front. Uh, but this is a tough match to judge because it just didn't feel like we were really watching these teams in their kind of in as advertised in their full structures and it was fun to watch some players we, we didn't really get a lot of minutes out of previously but you know, just an interesting narrative overall mike we're gonna head to the final matchup uh that we have up to this point this was what really felt like the two best teams of the tournament based off their performances on night one uh the spirit and the courage courage win this one two nil lynn williams with uh, a crossing goal well just uh, not a crossing goal sorry i lied this was this was Lynn Williams recovering from a tackle, picking things up and speeding. This was all Lynn Williams. This um, was, I mean, she, yeah. <laughs> from this, a brilliant tackle, she this gets was running back Lynn Williams. Yeah. And, and creates it all by herself. It's, you know, this is followed by quickly turning around from the break uh, to being across to Lynn Williams. So Williams now three goals after two matches, Washington had moments where I think they seemed pretty well impressive. I didn't get the same level of aggression out of them. And that no. was, to me, was disconcerting. Early on, I definitely felt a lot of, of momentum on their end. They were sticking really well with, Car with Carolina. They were playing pesky. They were disrupting Carolina's flow. And honestly, I felt that up to about the 50th minute. Like, honestly, from, you know, where I was watching, it, there was a key defensive mistake. It allowed Lynn Williams and the courage to draw blood, and it just kind of felt like it was almost over the point. Yeah, they were really deflated after that. Um, well, it's interesting because even after that, but I mean, but especially before, throughout the match, Washington dominates possession, and I know that's what they do, but we're not used to seeing that with with, with your you know, usual courage team. So Washington, you know, their passing is good. They dominate possession, um, but they could never push it forward. There was, you know, a few uh, serious attempts, um, mm -hmm. but it felt like they got lost in the midfield a little bit. Um, and, yeah. and you're right. After, after the courage was able to capitalize on their mistake, they, they never got that energy that they had early on. Yeah, it, it definitely had that. And I think a lot of that too is, this was a tale of two teams that not only experience on, on as far as their players, but even as coaches, you looked at a Washington team that definitely felt like they needed to pull back on, for instance, a Rose Lavelle noting, uh, you know, the level of performance they'd put in previously. I feel like, you know, Lavelle went on around the 70th minute. You, you could tell that they probably wanted her to go out earlier. Uh, but those two goals made that a tough decision. Whereas North Carolina not only had the experience, um, but just the depth to be able to make a roster decision. I don't know if any other team can capitalize on, which That's is, 
that's almost flipping the script. That's the that's the you know strength of their depth. You have to be terrified as a spirit side when they sub in at the half when you know when you have had your your you know a squad pushing the whole match and then the courage sub in Sam Mewis and Crystal Dunn, you know, um Denise O'Sullivan. You know, that that has to be just terrifying. I absolutely it's one of those cases where it's so hard. Well, and, um, and I think it's so is, hard to respond was, to it. It's so it's hard to figure out what moves you make on the other end. Uh yeah, when they when just they, have when they couldn't do it when they couldn't do it without those players, I mean good good luck with them. Um yeah. but I think that's a really and we'll we'll see how it plays out, but it struck me as a really smart move on Paul Riley's part because everyone's wanting to, you know, manage these minutes, keep the keep the players fresh like we talked about. Um Washington went all in for the most part from the beginning. Um I mean I, I would have liked to see someone like Ashley Sanchez earlier, but you know they largely went all in, whereas the courage held back until half and shortly after the half and so you're able to they held on in the first half and then they were able to bring the a team um to finish it off and i don't know we'll we'll see how it plays out in future games but it seemed like a really smart coaching move yeah i absolutely i i think it was one of the it definitely was indicative that said i mean you did have uh, a lot of individuals play some pretty heavy minutes. I mean, Lynn Williams went 80. You That's had um, Dabinia. Uh, they did take out Crystal Dunn very early, which was smart. Yeah, you had Dabinia go pretty long. So I, I think there were some cases where they were able to – you'll be interested to see how they respond after the, the haul that they had over two matches. That said, yeah, with their depth, it's a tough case. I, I would say right now, I think the quick question we can get into, honestly, is – it does do the courage lose a game uh i know that sounds really straightforward but at this point it's hard to imagine in the preliminary round um yeah i i think the the portland the opening match with portland i thought they looked beatable you know uh, this match against washington and i saw washington as a dark horse you know maybe they're the ones that take down the courage when that really when they didn't ever come close it makes me wonder. I mean, once we get to the knockout round, anything can happen. But as far as the preliminary round, I think it would be a major upset. Absolutely. It, it would be tough. I, I think what's going to be key, if you want, in, these, in this early round, if you want to beat the Courage, you've got you've to strike early. I think you have to find a way to get in the net within that first 30 minutes. It's just really, really tough to beat the grind that Carolina can put you through up to that point there are some weapons with chicago that make that happen we talk about yuki vanessa di bernardo's there you could talk you could kill you what could potentially make something happen i do think that anamanu and mitch purse might have that potential with sky blue obviously roster depth from start to finish isn't there for sky blue but if they find a way to get some of their skilled scores to draw blood early it just might help their cause but that's 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 grasping at straws. If I'm being honest, it's just a, it's a tough scenario. Um, we'll just have to see, Mike. I, they, we're going to get into the. Uh, what's sorry, Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say they they came into the tournament as the favorites. I I think they're holding strong there. We're going to get to the upcoming matches in just a minute. But one thing we did want to make sure that we hit really quick was we've now had three full days of the Challenge Cup, as we talked about half a million people watching the opening match. Everything else found through CBS All Access. Some people probably watching through Twitch. Um, your impressions on the kickoff of the Challenge Cup? What's the experience been like? What have you liked? What have you not liked? I've been really impressed so far. I mean, we've gotten really high quality football. I thought the production values have been fairly good. I don't. I'm not sold on the fan white noise. I I think it was the second game. I think it was the Chicago Washington match where you heard that fan white noise, but the mic must have been next to some players sitting in the stands. So you could just hear isolated voices on top of the white noise that yeah. just felt very discombobulating. Made me laugh. It, um, the It's definitely not as well structured 
after that opening match. Like once they left the CBS like main network platform, you could it was definitely a little structured. I, I feel like it's been louder. It's it's keyed in a little. I think they've mic'd up their sidelines a little differently, so you can hear player chatter a little more, which is nice. I don't mind the white noise in general. I, I don't think it needs to be such a heavy star of the show, especially yeah. because, quite honestly, I think they have a solid commentary team calling this thing. They do, and yeah. they and I feel like there's a bit of distraction from what they're able to put together. I know it's tough. I know they want to give some bit of the fan experience a little bit. My feeling on the matter is I still think you ever downplay it and, and still allow that to, you know, to, to add to it. But, you know, at the end of the day, if the, the product on the field is good, people are going to learn to adjust to whatever they need to adjust to. But yeah, I, I'm on the fence about it. I liked it at first. It, it has been a little buggish since, but we'll, you know, we'll overall see how that goes. I think uh, like streaming quality, I think overall it's been all right when you can find the matches on CBS All Access because it was a little bit of a maze at first. Yeah, that's uh, true. To, to find anything. But once, you know, you're able to pull that together, I think it's gone well. Uh, you know, obviously for a schedule that had to be put together at the last moment, very happy with kind of how things have been scheduled out and organized, put together. I think there's two stars of the show that I have to build out as far as this is built. One uh, is the Orlando pride. They essentially turned their team account into what they're calling a challenge cup Stan account and are using it to bump up teams, uh, give live tweet coverage, give their general impressions. They've just turned it into an all out fun account and it's really, really, really added. In my opinion, I, I love that. I mean, there's so many different ways that Orlando could have handled this whole situation, but this is this is the best way possible. I mean, it's yeah. it's incredible. And I mean, despite the fact that they're picking all the wrong, wrong teams and it's a little bit of a jinx, yeah, it's <laughs> it's 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 so much fun to watch their picks and have one club actively cheering for for another. You know, like um, and picking you know picking their teams. It's it's been a lot of fun huge yeah, respect exactly. them for that yeah i think you know the the pride could have gone dark on on social media and i don't think anyone would have blamed him and I, they made a very concerted effort to use this as an opportunity to help buoy this up and it, it's been a lot of fun obviously i would prefer to have them in harriman playing in these games and giving us a chance to see them but it, in the cases with the circumstance where well, it's been really nice mike i think the secondary mvp so far has to be the playground apparently people are really <laughs> into this <laughs> I, the thing about it is, so I live in Utah. I'm, you know, a little over half an hour away from Harriman. I don't live very far from the area. And uh, I know everything about the backdrop of that. So it's like you're getting such that Utah, that weird, like rural meets suburban experience of like irrigated fields backed by like rows of cookie cutter housing. You have some kind of cool township lights when things are dark. But then there's this like bright Technicolor kid playground that a lot of people seem to be fascinated with. And maybe it's just because I've lived in Utah for several years now, and I'm just used to those being everywhere, like at every sporting event. Oh, people are going uh, crazy go over it. It's hilarious. Yeah, it, it's been interesting. You have, you know, uh, Jess you know, McDonald post, posted a yeah. video of her son playing on it. You know, it's fantastic. Yeah. You have and the venue Meg itself, Lenahan and Lisa Baird going on a back and forth with the playground. I mean, it's just been kind yes. of a fun thing. I'm, I'm waiting for someone to finally just give in, score a goal, run over there, go down the slide. Um, you know, the, the venue the venue itself has been really beautiful. And there's, you know, for the night games, I love watching the sunsets there. Uh, one thing that made me laugh in the um, uh, Washington-North Carolina match is when, when there was a, a shot, not on target, but went out and it just went bouncing across the parking lot. Um, I thought this is the first time professional athletes have had to chase the ball across the street in a long time. Car. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, that was, that was endearing. Uh, one thing I do want to say, cause you talked about the sunset things. Something's got to be done about that glare. Oh, that was rough. Uh, yeah. That, that early, that early match dust like Ray that comes in and you get that weird JJ Abrams, Star Trek, glimmer on the camera that doesn't go away <laughs> um yeah in fact in fact i think it was the the sky blue game that they they kept shifting to an alternate camera more than more than commonly because it was it was so in the lens so hopefully we remedy that a little bit you know unfortunately that uh that venue plays host to the real monarchs which 
isn't as heavily televised being a developmental team. So, um, you know, it's, it's not as heavily factored as you see in other areas, but maybe it's, it was just one of those things that based on the situation of this week and what the climate was like, it, that's where it sets things up. You had a lot of coaches dressed up speaking to climate uh, based on that classic summer Utah weather of it's either going to be 55 or 95. So bring a coat, <laughs> right. but also wear, don't wear sleeves. Like seeing, okay. So the contrast between seeing Paul Riley in just a plain red t-shirt and then seeing Richie Burke in, you know, a full on suit. Yeah. Yeah. We're, it's a learning curve. Yeah, you're expecting to see someone come out net, like in just like a full-on trench coat. Like it's it's going to be interesting to see a lot of those decisions. Uh, barely escaped rain too. Uh, we were supposed to see some heavy rain on uh, uh, potentially on Tuesday, and that didn't really come to fruition. Which wasn't is, there also a nearby fire, like a wildfire? There have been a scourge of fires because here's the thing: the state of Utah feels like even though it's a dry desert, they don't need to uh, ban fireworks. And for oh, that's some the reason, annual, that's the annual tradition, right? For some reason, you can have fireworks all of July, including a lot of people who get them before the start of July, because this is something a lot of people may not know. So it's a little bit of a Utah fact. Utah basically has two fourths of July. There's the fourth, oh. and then there's the 24th. The 4th of July, Independence Day. The 24th of July is Pioneer Day, which is in celebration of essentially when Utah was settled by uh, the Latter-day Saint pioneers in 1847. For, for both of these, just to clarify, though, for both holidays, you get to celebrate with small explosions in the middle of a desert, right? Yes, they are both 4ths of July in that they're celebrated in seemingly the exact same way. There's parades, there's barbecues, the color schemes are pretty much the same, and they both end in fireworks. It's it's this weird thing where we have 2 fourths of July – when I moved here from California, I remember it being really surreal. And because of that, not only can you have private fireworks on the 4th, you can pretty much have them all month because you're going to use them again on the 24th. And it's horrid in that it keeps my two-year-old son and my dog constantly up at night, which is fantastic. Uh, also, the fact that it, it's, it causes a lot of fire. You know, we, we have a, a fairly dangerous fire at least once a year in the state of Utah. We've already had several that have been concerning one that, anybody, while not directly on the mountain in the Harriman area, wasn't far off. And I'm going to say this. If anybody, like we've been through so much this year, if anybody disrupts this tournament with fireworks or forest fires or whatever else, I mean, I am not going to be thrilled. This just, horrid, horrid, horrid make, year. Go pre-pandemic, pre-civil unrest, go pre-Kobe and Gigi Bryant. This year essentially kicked off. With one of the worst wildfires in history in Australia. Yeah. And that feels like so, so we, long ago. We need to learn. How is the year only half over? We need to learn from that. Yeah. This has become like a weird uh, fire safety adv advocacy podcast, but um, it just bugs me. Except, you know, I lived in Marion, California, where, you know, it was pretty well banned and well understood. And you went and watched professionally done fireworks, and that was it. And it was fine. For some reason, here people feel like they need to deal with that. It just drives me up a wall. But you know what? If you're a pro firework person, that's your life. I don't know. I'm with you, Steve. <laughs> well, uh, you know, I'm I'm pretty well agreed with you. I you know I've really enjoyed the the event so far. It's been really fun. Obviously, it's fun to see soccer again. Uh, but we have much more to go. As I said, we have a couple teams that only have two matches left. Most teams or half have two matches left. Half have three to go uh let's hit our next six matches on the schedule that'll run us to about this time next week mike obviously we've discussed a lot of these teams pretty hand in foot so i just kind of want to quickly go through this let's talk about um we'll just go through this pretty quickly i think we'll just hit our general predictions uh right before we call the damn podcast so first things first it's it's the first fourth of july independence day july 4th uh 12 30 p.m eastern royals fc and sky blue mike I, i'm just gonna kick it over to you give me give me your thoughts who do you have taking this this will be an interesting one with you know both teams had to draw their first match um i'm gonna go with the royals on this one i think they'll win it outright i agree i i feel like the royals have a lot of energy to peel off of and are are gonna make this happen and as i noted previously one thing we haven't quite seen 
is in Amy Rodriguez, uh, you know, aggressively playing to the net. And I think if that's something they try to expose a little bit, uh, this could be a fun one for the Royals. So I've got Utah in that one. Uh, moving forward later that evening, the Houston Dash. So again, two teams coming off of draws, but who do you have taking this? Or any, is anyone taking this? I'm giving this one to the rain. Um, hopefully hopefully they've, they've got their uh, roster more replenished now, but I, I think uh, their defense will be able to hold the dash, and I think they'll be able to take this one. I'm going to take the opposite route, and I'm giving this one to the okay. dash. I, okay. I just – I sense motivated Rachel Daly who wants to get a, a pseudo – I don't know if there's going to be an official golden boot, but basically get a golden boot out of this thing. You – I think you can tell there's some fire there. And I think that they showed a lot more depth and, and athleticism than I had expected. And I think it could be exposed there. Also, it supports what's now proving to be my really stupid prediction that the rain were going to end up eighth. It's probably not going to happen. So to save face, that's where I'm going to turn things for the moment. Let's, <laughs> I'll give that to Houston. Plus you and I can't agree on everything. That doesn't make for a fun show. I don't agree with you, Steve. Uh, let's move on to the next day, July 5th, uh, NC Courage, Chicago Red Stars. We've basically already talked about this, but um, what are your thoughts on what to expect here? I think without some fairly dramatic changes, I think Courage should should have this one in the bag. Hard to go against it. Uh, unless Chicago has something pretty well up their sleeve, it just really feels like this, yeah, it goes their way. So I'd expect the Courage to win this one as well. Uh, later on in the fifth, we've got Portland Thorns FC and the Washington Spirit. This should be a pretty fun-filled matchup. I think I think the Thorns will be desperate for for some points here, whereas Washington didn't impress me as much against the Courage. I'm going to give this one to the Thorns. It's tough though. Yeah, you know what we talked about those line in terms of rest. I could I could really see that happening, um, I, and I could see. Portland being a lot more polished. So I'm going to vibe with you on that, and I'm going to go with Thorns on this as well. All right, now we're going to move on to the eighth. So early in the day, we've got Royals FC in the OL rain. That That's a tough call. Um, you know, I'm going to say they split points. Maybe that's a cop-out, but I, I think they split points. Gosh dang it, Mike. I was also going to call a draw. <laughs> I... 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 I I used to be indecisive, but now I'm not. This sure. is like that. This is like that weird. Uh, nice. This is like that weird, like newlyweds themed episode of Full House, where Becky seems to always know what um, Jesse's going to say, including she gives up when he says "I quit" is his answer, and, and <laughs> that's a that's a deep cut reference. But no, it's I like, feel that as well. Like I, I each mm-hmm. other's sandwiches. Yeah. <laughs> that was a double that was a double reference we well played yeah i like it um yeah i see a goal piece there is probably how i how i map things out let's finish things off with the nightcap on the eighth uh real uh, sorry royals we just talked about the Royals. sky blue and the dash i'll give this one to houston call it a cop out i'm going with the draw here as well I, okay That's fair. just i just feel yeah i feel that equal firepower here but I'm maybe I'm just scared to give the dash two consecutive wins. I don't know. So we'll see. We'll see how that one pans out. All right. So that'll be the lineup through, through the next week. And then we'll continue to ride things further. Next time you hear from us at when those all play out, we'll be closing in on the opening rounds and it will almost be knockout season. It will also be nearly halfway through July. I really don't like that to be young again. You know how it is, but Mike, any last thoughts, impressions, anything you want to kick out before we call the day here? No, this has been a lot of fun so far. No, absolutely. Uh, so great, of course, to have uh, soccer back, women's soccer back. Um, been a really fun Challenge Cup so far. We'll see how things continue to progress. Hopefully, of course, everyone stays healthy, stays safe, and and this continues to be, I don't even know, it's just you know, people continue to, to make positive changes and make positive decisions. I don't think I'm being controversial when I make this stance on behalf of the whole program. You wear a mask. Yes, please. Uh, if, you, if you haven't done this for a while, let's remind you again, wash your hands for 20 seconds at a time. Don't touch your face. You remember all the stuff, but absolutely wear a mask. Get over yourself. Don't be prideful. Be good to yourself and to the people around you and, and try to maintain that 
staying as much as you can. You know, let's let's see what we can do to quench this thing because, um, as as we noted and heard from authorities, this could get worse before it gets better. And there's football on now. There's 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 high quality women's football on now. Yeah. What reason do you have to leave the house? What's what's the point even at this point? So yeah, you know, definitely. Of course, if you want to follow us over on Twitter, you can find us over at NWSL Nation Pod. You can find the podcast if you haven't subscribed to us already. Pretty much anywhere your podcast can be found. If you do subscribe to Apple Podcasts or anywhere else that has any sort of comment or rating system, we'd love to have a five-star rating and comment. Let us know what you like about the show. Anything else that we can do to make it a better experience for you. Of course, you can listen to our sister program, WNBA Nation, over at WNBA Nation Pod on Twitter. The, we're getting reared right up for the WNBA season, which will be toward the end of this month. Patreon page, if you want to hear any, see any extra content and help support our efforts here as well as there. We also have our store MB page, which is sourcing some pretty fun merch and, and opportunities there as well. Proceeds toward the Patreon and toward the store MB go directly toward, obviously, the betterment of the show, as well as uh, giving us opportunities to get fans to new women's sporting events in their area. Uh, so, you know, any support there can be helpful. Obviously, right now, that's being banked because there's not really any opportunities to do that, but that should potentially make 2021 a lot more fun. We'll be able to get a lot of people at two events for the first time. Uh, that said, really, I think with all the shameless plugs and all the goodness, Mike, we finally talked about actual games. It almost we feels did. weird. It's It's been a while. We've done predictions. We've done recaps. I mean, it's weird. It's surreal, but I'm happy to be here. It's been so long talk, since I've talked about any actual sport in real time. I don't know if you felt that energy. There was just like this new spring of life. I might like face to face this with like last week's episode. So I feel like last week it was, there was definitely like a drop in energy climbing, you know, like crawling to the finish line. And then here we are. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's real now. We've seen it. Absolutely. It's happened for sure. I can prove it. I have, I have evidence. Uh, That said, obviously we have a lot more soccer to see and get excited about. If you have friends, relatives, anyone who is new to the league, or hasn't seen anything for the first time, obviously a perfect time. CBS All Access, it's like six bucks for the month, and you can watch every game. So definitely check that out. But until all of that, and until we ride ever further to the inaugural Challenge Cup champion for the NWSL, thank you so much for listening to this edition of NWSL Nation. Until we connect with you again, I'm Steve Schwartzman. I'm Mike McPhee. And we'll catch you again very soon. 